This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.38 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. And it's time for Trending Today, where it's kind of an interesting question, I think. When someone you care for is in a crisis... What do you do to help? Now, this comes from a tweet from Dereen, who says, I've learned the hard way that let me know if you need anything isn't effective while people are in crisis. So here are my alternatives. And then they go through a list of things that include uh, providing money or securing a house cleaner or buying grocery buying groceries for people. So things that do cost a little bit of money. Um, Meanwhile, things that don't include uh, sitting on the phone saying nothing, uh, taking over communications, for example, telling people, hey, you can send folks to me if they need funeral info or so on so that you aren't bothered, offering babysitting, things like that. Um, The list goes on, but I thought that this was interesting because I think that the phrase, let me know if you need anything or I'm here for you, is frequently one that people do feel um, in in situations where it's hard to know what to say, it's kind of the phrase that you end up defaulting to. Yeah, because it's a gesture, right? Yeah. Primarily, it's a gesture that suggests that you're going to be there to alleviate whatever burdens or to take over tasks. And I think this is where it gets very practical. Take over tasks that would actually lift uh, some responsibilities, day-to-day responsibilities that become even more burdensome in the crisis. And so when you start to fill that little gesture up with specifics, I think, and and the list that we have here, you know, from uh, Doreen, does in fact suggest the kind of practical steps you can do to lessen somebody's burden. So I think this is interesting because I actually, in times of crisis, have preferred to be left alone rather than have help offered in this way. I don't think that it's not helpful, mind you. I think that um, especially if you... Because it shows care, right? It acknowledges that if uh, somebody you, you care about has just passed on and you know you might be in the midst of dealing with a lot of different things, that offering to help with childcare, offering to help drive you around, um, maybe just showing up with food, that these are things that you might not be thinking about and therefore might be helpful. So I I completely get where it's coming from. Uh, I also think that it's coming from the perspective that it can be burdensome for the person who is in crisis to have to ask for something or think about what they might need. Um, But I really, in, in my own life, when I have been in similar situations, I've never taken people up on this. I've just never found it um, to be the way for me personally. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems, and I kind of sense where, you, where you're coming from in terms of wanting to be kind of left alone to deal with your crisis is, and I know... Uh, Cooking a dinner party is not a crisis of the kinds that, you know, I think they're being referred to here. But often when I get help, I'm thinking I don't have the mind space to organize the help. Meaning that even if it's something as simple as, you know, picking up children or doing the groceries, I would then have to clue you into all the things that I, you know, do automatically without thinking and so on and so forth. And that becomes yet another task, right? It's shifted. Yeah, you're actually... 
not doing it yourself. Somebody else is doing it, but you have to clue that person in. So, uh, so there's always kind of work. And so the maybe the issue is how do you offer um, help without that help be, be itself becoming a burden? Yeah, because I think that when you say the phrase, let me know if you need anything, it is uh, not always just a trite thing that you say just to end the conversation or just to feel better. Um, it can sometimes be a way of saying, listen, I, I really want to be here for you, but I don't want to be presumptuous and assume that I know what you might need. So just let me know. If anything at all, let me know. Um, and I think that actually... Perhaps this conversation is actually about types of people in some ways and the types of help you prefer. You know, um, you've heard that conversation before, right, about love languages? No, I haven't. No? Um, well, I don't think it's a framework that everybody subscribes to, but the the notion is that different people have different types of love languages. In other words, um, different ways in which they show care and love. So among them include things like uh, gifts or um, I think the, the phrase is words of affirmation, acts of service. So these are the quality time. I'm sure I'm butchering the categories. but <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't know better. But I, I know what you're saying because that, that's exactly, I think, how many of us think about the people we interact with. I mean, they're always that person you know who's going to be there in a moment of crisis and going to be there from start to finish. Yes. And the people who start and then don't finish and then, the, you know, we know the categories of friends, right? And then it also depends on what you consider as care because if you are somebody who prefers... Um, words of affirmation as opposed to acts of service, then somebody showing up with curry on your doorstep might not be what you wanted. Maybe you just wanted the a verbal hug, you know, as opposed to the, the pot of food that you now feel obligated to finish. So there are all these different things that come in, but it's a simple enough question. Let us know, what do you think is the best way to show support for someone going through a hard time? Um, what did someone do for you, maybe, that you found helpful? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bright, formidable media. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9. So on trending, um, there was a tweet that went viral from Deereen that said, I've learned the hard way that let me know if you need anything isn't effective while people are in crisis and instead offers suggestions, very practical ones, ranging from uh, monetary support to just, I, I think, support with errands more often than not, chauffeuring people around, being babysitter, cooking food, things like that. And I think that just had us thinking about what really is the best way to show up for people, right? And we're asking you that. What do you think is the best way to show support for somebody who's going through a hard time? Like, for example, a bereavement. Um, what did someone do for you that was helpful? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note. Or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we have um, actually a real variety of remarks. Jacob says, My church family came around to help organise the furniture. One took our doggy to babysit at their house for a few days. Some cooked meals and sent over for a few days, etc. When our son passed away in April last year. Love shown in a practical way. Uh, Jacob, firstly, condolences. I, I think that sounds incredibly tough. 
Yeah. So the and and I think it's something to do, Jacob, with you know the kind of networks of support that we have, and they come into action. Some of them are family. Some of the the larger community. You talk about your church family. I mean, the kind of religious networks or the kind of networks you form out of your religious associations. I think these are very powerful. It also means that when the person who comes in uh, to say, "I'll take over some of your burdens and tasks," you trust them, right? And so trust is very important in letting go, even in a crisis. I mean. There's some people who hang on tenaciously because that's their security uh, zone. But for others, they're quite willing to say, give it over to a trusted person. I mean, to have your pet or to have your children or whatever it is entrusted to others uh, takes a level of, um, uh, you know, mutual respect and understanding. Yes, but I think one thing stands out here also, and that is the mention of church, because um, not specific to any religion, merely that uh, the original tweet referenced community, the importance of building community. And I think in religious circles, especially if you go to places of worship, there tends to be that kind of building of community. And then that trust that you're talking about, Sharad, is maybe a logical extension of that because any way people are used to operating in this more communal sense, uh, as opposed to perhaps non-believers like like the both of us, it's, it's a little bit of a different conversation there. Roberto says, in this case, I'm with Lynn. Thank you, Roberto. Uh, I also prefer to be left alone so I won't have to have the burden of explaining why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. Instead, I can concentrate on analyzing Analyzing um, why what happened had to happen, and most importantly, how do I make myself feel better about it while I'm going through it? Yeah, so Roberto, I think there you're looking at the you know kind of the emotional work that needs to be kind of attended to in a crisis, um, um, and and I think that is a very important. In fact, it is the determines in some sense whether you have uh, the space to deal with others, but there. I think what so many of the suggestions that came out of that tweet really have to do with the practical stuff that happens, right? So when in a bereavement, there's an extraordinary amount of bureaucracy and bureaucratic hurdles that you have to jump through. There are loops that have to do with the police, that have to do with the hospital, that would have to do with the funeral arrangements. And sometimes it's really good to have somebody in the community that knows uh, how to do this, or has a you know previous experience that actually comes into play uh, at these moments? I, yes. Um, the notion of holding space is also important because different people feel differently about that. I had a friend who was, um, again, trying to offer support, but sort of insisting on speaking to me on the phone at a time where I really was not keen on it and sort of calling me um, a lot. And, and I think that that maybe had more to do with not knowing how else to offer support and wanting desperately to. I, I understand it as the gesture for, uh, the, as the gesture in the way that it was meant, um, but it wasn't helpful at the time. And I think maybe knowing who your friend is or knowing who your loved one is, understanding them well, that can go some way towards knowing how to how to manage the thing. TIDJ says, there is no one form of support that works. When the crisis I was facing was a nasty episode of depression, I just wanted to be left alone. When I was going through breakups, I wanted to be out with my friends and vent my feelings. Similarly, I personalise how I support my friends depending on what they're going through and what kind of support I believe they need based on my knowledge of them. 
Yeah, so TIDJ, I think the knowledge of them, uh, expression that you use, is so important, right? So knowing where that person's boundaries are, where, knowing whether they, they have signaled that they want you to maybe even transgress boundaries that used to be there or are there in normal times. So uh, reading the room, uh, I think in terms of people who are supportive, if they can understand what uh, an individual or family is going through, uh, knowing where that is. I mean, these are difficult things. It's not an exact science, right? I mean... No. Um, actually, if if I may, um, Dereen mentions this. Um, Dereen, our our what what's the word I'm looking for? The our, the catalyst of our conversation. Yeah, our guru, <laughs> our our ex guru for today. But um, they also mention um, it also helps to ask people you love while they're not in crisis what support they would like when the time comes. So you already know this is what being in a community really looks like: proactive care and prep for bad times. This is interesting because I think a lot of people don't like talking about it. It's also possible that people might not know what they uh, or people might not know what they actually want until the crisis arises. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of human beings Lynn don't actually want to have these conversations. No. Or they even think it's kind of like unnecessary. Like, why do we have to talk about it today, right? I'd rather talk about all kinds of things. It's not going to happen. I'm not, you know. Except that, of course, crisis are kind of an essential part of growing and living and, and life. And we know a bereavement will always happen. And uh, the funny thing is, yet people don't want to have these conversations. Like having a conversation about um, uh, your own death having a will, last will and testament. Yeah. Very difficult to have these conversations, even with yourself. I, I know it because I've been trying to write a last will and testament and I've been talked, you know, by um, my cousin who's a lawyer and she's talking me through this uh, this process and I've been like, dragging my feet because I also, in many ways, can't even imagine. I know it's going to happen. I know I will die someday, but it's very difficult to have a conversation because that's not the way your brain wants to work or take you there, right? Yes, um, it's the enormity of the thing. Um, and I mean, you're referring to death, but I think in general... Even Ill, Ill health would be yes. really, in fact, much more... Because with death, at least you, you're exiting the situation. Somebody else is left to clean up the mess. All right. So Legion says, what I've done before when someone is going through a crisis, um, I tell them I'm terrible at words and expressing condolences. Hopefully the person going through the crisis can have a good laugh, even if for a short moment to distract them. Then I will go on and say, I can help with the cooking if you wish or answering the phones or liaising with the funeral director. And there I'm specifying my skill set so that the person in crisis at least doesn't have to rack his or her brain about what job to task me. Does that image that we have there, the three wise women? Uh, that's from Legion, yes. Because that, that's really funny because it, it does also bring a kind of gender well, perspective well, to let's it. let's describe it for people because um, no one else can see it but you and me. Um, and Legion also attached a, a, a sort of cartoon of a cartoon saying, if there had been three wise women instead, referencing the birth of Christ, um, in which the three wise women show up with a box of diapers, casseroles and formula respectively. Yeah, as as opposed to frankincense and, and myrrh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if this is a gender thing, but I must say, I, if I were to concede a gender dimension to this question, I would say, yes, my women friends are the most practical and the best um, friends to have in a crisis. I would say that that is the same for me also. Um, I, I think 
I'm not sure what that is. I, I don't know if it just has to do with having had more practice over, over a lifetime of people expecting you to be able to provide that kind of support. Uh, a couple of people sharing personal stories. John saying, it's strange that your topic today identifies intimately with what I'm experiencing. A dear friend who was very sick is recuperating in the ward after coronary bypass surgery. How much? I want to do a lot to help him, but he requests nothing. All I can tell him is that I'm available 24-7 for any help whatsoever. Yeah, so John, I feel for you because, you know, it often you, we often as friends put in a situation where we want to help and then we can't help because the other person is saying, well, actually, the nurses and doctors are good enough. I'm just going to rest. Uh, it's not very satisfying for you personally, but maybe, you know, sometimes it's good to hear what other people are saying. And they say they, they don't need your help. It's, it's good to step back sometimes. Uh, Vincent says, I lost someone close recently. Not many people know I prefer to be left alone. So again, um, people who kind of prefer solitude um, in a time of great crisis. Closing off, we have time for Sarah who says, I feel like this is the result of the rise of individualism, losing our reliance on community. My resolution or goal for this year is to rely more on my friends and chosen family and my family and to reach out for small things so that when I really need it, I feel comfortable doing so. Suffering alone in silence does take a toll. Yes, yeah, Sarah, I think you are absolutely right about the shift towards individualism. It 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 has some great aspects to it, but it, there are also some downsides. And I think that if you are somebody... So I go back to what we heard earlier from Jacob about having support from um, what he called the church family. And if we compare that to people who feel more individualistic, who maybe don't identify so strongly with faith, then the building of community will likely look like this, right? Reaching out to your friends more often, um, not just for good times, but also to actually ask for help. Yeah, and also often you already have the practice if you're the person kind of giving, right? Because the, the community directs you to people in need. And then when you become the person in need, you find there's a, I mean, there's, the whole point of it is reciprocity in the community. Keep those thoughts coming. Uh, we have been asking you, what do you think is the best way to show support for someone going through a hard time? Um, and you can WhatsApp us, you can send us a tweet. That's what we'll be talking about. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.